0: Church, let's stand to our feet and worship this morning. Sundown doesn't. It? I'm moving forward to follow after you. And now. Come now, Lord, like never
1: before. Amen. Amen, church. Y'all can grab a seat. How y'all doing this morning? Well, if we have not had the opportunity to meet yet, my name is Ethan and I'm the worship pastor here this morning. But I think Kevin's doing a pretty great job. I don't know about you guys, I think he's doing awesome. <laughs> So this morning, church, we're going to move into a time of communion. And every week here at Shelby Christian, we do this time to remember what it, we, just what we celebrated just a couple weeks ago. We're here to celebrate what Jesus did on the cross and what that means for us as believers living here today. You know, as we take these things, it's so, so easy to let these things become mundane or just something we do every Sunday. But this morning, let's remember, let's be challenged to remember the why that Jesus came to save you. He came to save me. He came to save everyone and he shed his blood for us. His body was broken for us. So let's pray together. Father, we are grateful this morning for the cross. We're grateful for the blood that was shed, God, for the body that was broken. God, as we take communion today, let it just be a reminder. God, and let it never never become just something we do on Sundays, God. Let it never be something that just hits us on Sunday, God. Let it be something that we're reminded of every single day that you came to save us, that you came to take us from death to life. Let us never forget that. It's in your name I pray, amen.
2: Morning. Welcome to launch week three. I love um, the opportunity we've had over the last couple of weeks to listen to Dave and then Matt last week talk about what the early church was experiencing in the book of Acts. This is this is really important stuff. This is a really important pivotal time in the history of, of us, of the church like if you've ever wondered maybe like how did we get to where we are today well we're talking about it right here in the first eight chapters of the book of acts in this series called launch i have a friend um, in florida and he lives in orlando and he and his wife sometime will drive over to the coast uh, to Cape Canaveral, Cocoa Beach area, and they'll watch uh, NASA launch off, uh, set off the, some of the rockets sometimes. And he, here's some pictures. He he loves to take pictures. They'll usually go over like early in the morning or or at night. And these are actually his pictures. He's a really good photographer, and these are really really beautiful. And we were texting back and forth this week, and I said, "Hey, will you send me some of your pictures that you've taken over the last couple of years of some of those rockets going off?" And then we were texting back and forth, and I said, "Hey." what, what's it like? Like when you are standing there on the beach and you're seeing these rockets go off, I was like, what's it sound like? What's it feel like? He's like, man, it's incredible. He's like, you can feel it. You can like feel it pounding. Like your chest starts to shake and your body's shaking. And sometimes my, it'll it'll make my head hurt. And like the roar of those boosters when they take off and the power in them, the, the lights, the, 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 you know, the the fuel and the, the smoke and all that that's going on there, the fire. He said, it's just an incredible sight. He's like, I love it. He's like, we go over anytime we get a chance, anytime we know their schedule. And so we drive over all the time and watch these rockets take off. I was thinking about, you know, that week one, when Dave talked about the power of the Holy Spirit and how it took that to launch the church. And that's so true. We're looking through this story in acts about how God used the Holy Spirit to launch his church. It was something that needed to get get set off the ground, needed to be catapulted, right, into the future. It was something that needed this power. And so we read about it in Acts chapters 1, 2, 3, 4. We're going to look at the, the last part of chapter 4 this morning. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab those and, and, and we'll get there in a second. But I love this idea, right, that God's using the power of the Holy Spirit to start something, this new movement. This thing that's, that's special and it's different and it's this Jesus movement. And it's all these things that are going on right there in the early parts of the book of Acts. You know, when you read your Bible, you, you open it up and you probably look at the the heading or the kind of the title page for Acts. A lot of times you'll see uh, Acts of the Apostles, right? Like sometimes the Bibles will have that. And that's true. There are a lot of things that are going on here that the Apostles... Have, are doing. They're the, kind of some of the, the characters. But really the main character, right? The main character in the book of Acts is the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is moving in these people in a powerful way. In ways that sometimes we read it and see what's going on there. And we don't even really understand today. And we're going to look at that here in a second. But we're also, we, we know, you guys know that the Holy Spirit continues to move today in our lives. We just sang some songs talking about His power Right. And, 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 and saying and, and, and singing, God, will you will you wake your people up? Will you revive us? Right. Sometimes I think we just need to stop and say, God, will you wake us? Will you wake our country up out of its slumber? God, will you wake our church up out of its sleep? Will you wake us up? And will you cause a revival in this place? Will you send your Holy Spirit to do something powerful today, just like we read about in the book of Acts? And so that's where we're going to go this morning. Like I said, Acts chapter 4, we're going to be the last few verses of chapter 4. Then next week, we're going to preach about Acts chapter 5. But before we do that this morning, I want to draw your attention to a passage of Scripture in John chapter 14. This is what Jesus promised. Jesus is is going back to heaven, right? And so his ascension there happens in the first part of Acts. And then he he says some things to those gathered there, to his disciples, to his followers. And and this is part of what he says. He says this. He looks at them and he says, If you love me, obey my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. Your, Your translation may say counselor, who will never leave you. And then Jesus says, he's the Holy Spirit. Who leads into all truth. The world can't receive him because it it isn't looking for him and it doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later he will be in you. Jesus makes a promise to his followers that I'm leaving but you're not going to be alone. My spirit Is going to be with you, and it's going to live inside of you. And I'm sure when they heard this, they really had no idea, right? It it was just like, what, what are you, what are you saying? What is this, what is this spirit you're talking about? And and so I want us to to kind of just think back for a second about what's happening in the first few chapters of the Book of Acts. The, The disciples are there. Jesus has told them this. He's also telling them that they're going to be witnesses. Excuse me. They're going to be witnesses of what he's done and what he said. They're going to give account of this. They're going to tell this story in Jerusalem, in Judea, and in Samaria, and all over the world. That you are going to be my people that I'm going to send out, that I'm going to launch out, and you're going to tell this story all over the world what you've seen and heard and what's happened here with our people. The disciples go back after Jesus tells them. They go back to this upper room in Jerusalem. This happens early on in Acts. And they pick a replacement for Judas, who's died. They, they, they get a twelfth disciple. His name was Matthias. And so they have these twelve people and they're kind of these twelve men. And they're kind of like the, the leaders early on, right? The day of Pentecost is what comes next. We read about that in the early chapters of Acts. Jerusalem and the Jewish people are in the middle. They're in the middle of this Jewish festival that went on for several weeks. And so there are people traveling into Jerusalem from all over the world. They, they, they've come from all over the world, Jewish people, to this festival, this time that's really special in Jerusalem. And so there are people gathered in the city and it's a buzz, right? It's it's packed, it's bubbling. Like, I don't know if you guys, did any of you guys try to drive through Shelbyville yesterday? Like I made the mistake, I was trying to come over here yesterday uh, afternoon to the office to finish up some stuff and I forgot that we were doing that big Dogwood Festival and all that stuff was going on. And it like normally takes me like five minutes to get through town. And it was like, it took me like, I, and I had to you know, take the back road and all this stuff, and I was like, oh, I forgot all this was going on. But there, even though it was raining, there were people and tents and food and all this stuff everywhere, like this big festival. That's what's happening here in Jerusalem, like this big thing that's going on. And then the day of Pentecost follows, and Jesus' followers, it tells us they are gathered in this home. And this, this is when the Holy Spirit arrives. The Bible says that it's accompanied by a powerful windstorm and flames. And the like. And so everyone there, it says that was filled with the Holy Spirit. And they begin, they begin to do something really strange. They begin speaking in these, these different languages. And so some of the people that were, had traveled to Jerusalem start to hear like this commotion going on over here. And they say, like, what's going on over there? Why are those people speaking in so many different languages? And then, hey, wait a second. Like, why are they speaking my native tongue? Like, the people in Jerusalem don't speak my language. Why do I hear that? Why is that going on? And so it causes this great commotion and it causes this great crowd to gather around. And as they gather around and they hear this and see this and see these people talking in all these different languages, Peter steps forward, right? And Peter steps forward and he starts to preach. And he says, hey, let me tell you about what's going on here. I know you guys are looking at this going like, these people are crazy. What's going on? Maybe they're drunk. We don't know. This is weird. And Peter steps forward and he says, you know what? Here's what's going on. Let me tell you who's behind this. The, the, The person that's behind this, his name is Jesus. Jesus and you need to understand that he is the Messiah. He is the son of God and he has come and we are his followers. And what you also need to understand is that you need to repent from your sins and you need to turn from those and you need to accept him and you need to be baptized and you need to follow Jesus. That is the only way to the father. That is the only way to heaven. And so this this commotion, this 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 crazy experience happens there for the church in the early parts of. Of the book of Acts. And it's powerful. Thousands of people respond to this message. They're baptized that day. The Bible tells us. And the church. The church takes off. The church is launched. Thousands of people coming to Jesus, accepting what Peter said, and being baptized. And they're looking around and they're going, what in the world is going on? Thousands of years of a religion, of an established religion, right? That they had been, like their parents and grandparents and great-grandparents, and like for generations, they'd they'd been doing this thing. They'd be doing religion and God this way. (laughs) And now... Peter say it, "Hey, there's a whole new deal going on here. And his name's Jesus, and he has the power to change your life. He's done it for us." Let me tell you what he's done. And in fact, he was here and he spoke to us. And some of you guys may have remembered some of the things he said. Maybe you were there when he did some of the things he did and saw, that, saw that some of the miraculous things he did. But then you also remember that you were the ones that crucified him, right? That you were a part of the group that did that. And they say, "What? what, what yeah, we recognize now that we really obviously messed up. What do we need to do? Repent and be baptized. Follow Jesus, Peter says. And the church begins. And because of that day... We sit here today, and so after that, they are released. Um, they they are released into the community, and so so John or Peter and John they go and they start preaching. They start healing people. They have this power that's uncommon. So they go. They're they're preaching and teaching. They're going into the the synagogue and the temple. They're all over Jerusalem, and their their message is clear: like Jesus is the only way. And, and and you guys know a little bit about what happens here, right? The religious leaders in the city are, are hearing this, and it's like, man, we thought we got rid of Jesus, we thought we got rid of his followers, and, the, and it's, they're coming back, right, and, and so the, the, the Jewish leaders hear this, and like, we gotta stop this, because it's causing too much, this is causing problems for us, they're causing riots and chaos, and like, all these things are going on, and so that we're kind of, they could feel their power slipping away, and so they drag Peter and John into the council, and they say, hey, you guys need to stop. Alright, you're causing too much problems. You're out there talking about Jesus and doing all this stuff, and people are starting to believe it, and now all these people are like a part of your movement. You have to stop. Stop it now. And they look at those religious leaders and they say, we're not going to stop. Like, there's nothing that you can do to stop us. We will preach Jesus for the rest of our lives. And the religious leaders realize that, there's really nothing that they can do at that moment because if they try to arrest them, that this, this is going to be, a, it's going to be a riot on their hands. And so they release them and Peter and John go back to the community of believers and they report about what's happened and then they begin to pray to God because they know that they're being persecuted now. They know that there's something coming up against them that's real, that like now there's a threat that you could go to jail or, or even you could be put to death. Last week, Matt talked about that persecution sometimes that the church faces. And that's what's happening right here. And so they go back and they start to pray. And they, they, they pray with those gathered there. And they ask God to give them some very specific things. I want you to look at Acts chapter 4, verse 31. After this prayer, after they prayed, the meeting place where they were shook And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. I want you to underline. I want you to highlight. I want you to circle. I want you to take note of that word, boldness. They go back and they realize, alright, we're up against something real here now. Like, like we, this isn't going to be easy. And so they're praying, God, what do you, what do you want us to do now? Will, will you, will you move in us? And so God, God shakes the room. It's like, hey, I'm here. Like there is a revival that's going to take place in this town. Are you guys ready? And they said, God, you, you, your spirit, will it lead us? Will you please allow it to lead us, to be our advocate, to be our comforter, to be our leader, to be our guide? Your spirit's going to do that. And will you allow us, will you give us the boldness to preach your word? And if you look at the traits of the church, the early church, the church in the book of Acts... The first two things it was marked with, it was marked with boldness and courage, right? Like we're we're going to preach, led by Peter and John at this point. We're going to preach Jesus. We're going to talk about Jesus because we know that he has the power. Like it's all his. He's the son of God. We've seen it. We've experienced it. We know it. And we're going to preach it. And so when we think about where we come from. The traits of the early church, what they were marked with and what we should be marked with today. The first two things are are boldness and courage. We see that played out in the first few chapters of the story in Acts. And then that brings us to Acts chapter 4, the the last few verses. This is a a powerful picture of something else that the church is is marked with. The, the, The church is marked with incredible unity and radical generosity. You'll see that here in this passage here in a second, but there's this thing that happens with them, where they realize that like we got to kind of, we got to be together, because this is going to get pretty dicey out in the city, and so we got to have unity. We got we got to have each other's back, and so they start to live in a very different way. Look at how the Holy Spirit inspires this group of believers in Acts four, verse thirty two and on. It says. And then all the believers who were there, they were united. Again, circle, underline, highlight, make note of that word. They were united in heart and mind. You want to know what makes the church the church? What makes it powerful? What's one of the things that really makes it stick out in a world that's like everyone's kind of doing their own thing? Is there's this unity. There's this mind. And heart of a group of people that come together and say, we're all on the same page. Do we agree at every turn? Absolutely not. But we are united. There's a unity within the body of Christ. And you see that here in the early chapters of the book of Acts. And then there's this generosity. Look at what, what it says next. They felt that they, that what they owned was not their own. And so they shared everything they had the apostles testified powerfully right and, and when you read the book of acts at every turn there's this there's this power that is taking place there's this thing there's this boldness and there's this courage and it just seeps through the first few chapters of acts because it's about it's who they were these apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the lord jesus christ and god's great blessing was upon them there were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those who are in need. See, these new Christians found themselves a part of a new movement, a new community, a new family. And the church in Acts is, is marked with this uncommon unity, this uncommon, this incredible radical generosity. There were bonds that they started to experience that were stronger than, than than blood. That Jesus would teach them earlier in the Gospels that your family, your brothers and your sisters, your mothers, your fathers—yeah, you have those earthly, bloodly re- blood relatives, right? But what you need to understand is that your brothers and sisters who are in me, who are in the church, who are in Christ—like that's that's important. And so you have this unity, you have this understanding that we are brothers and sisters. We are are this family and this church. In Jerusalem, in the first few days, was acting just like that. They had this bond where they realized that, that Christ united them. If someone had need, they responded with generosity. Those who were wealthy, it says here the Bible, and had plenty, sold some of their resources and their properties and provided for those in the family who had need. One of the things I, I want to make sure that we don't understand, or that we do understand, is that this is not a call. <laughs> this isn't a call for you're like, oh great, I gotta go sell all my stuff because that's what the church did. Like, it's not a call for poverty. Right? It's not a call to, to sell all of our stuff. It's it isn't a demand for Christians to to give everything they have away. It, it's not a, a demand at all. Right? This, what you see here, is an invitation. It's an invitation for generosity. Because generosity is one of the things that marks The early church, and it should mark our lives as well. Generosity is one of those things that's just fruit of God's grace. I love being a part of of Shelby Christian Church because one of the things that I believe that Shelby Christian Church excels in is generosity. I've seen it over and over and over, and you guys have too, over the years, that, that we are a place, we are a people that say, you know what? When we see a, when we see a need, when there's a felt need, when there's people that need help, when there's a, an organization that needs help, when there's a community that needs help, when there's something going on, we, we rise up to the occasion on, on a regular basis, and we see that happening right here for the very first time with the church in Acts chapter 4. Generosity is what flows from the heart. It's this tangible way, right, of seeing the condition of our heart, and so when we we give of the things that we've been blessed with, others see that, and you know that, that people started in in the, in the in Jerusalem. They started looking around and go, "Have you heard about what's going on over there with those Jesus people? Like they're selling their stuff and they're like giving it away, and like what? That's that's kind of weird." And then somebody else would probably say, "You know what? Yeah, it is a little weird, but you know what? I'm intrigued by it. Like they must be they must really believe this because I don't know if I would sell my land if I didn't really believe in something and give it away." Right? And so people are drawn to this. They're drawn to this generosity. Generosity flows from the heart. It's a tangible thing. It helps people see the condition of our hearts. That's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, He says, Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. And so there's this love for the family of God that's at the centerpiece of the book of Acts. That there's this boldness and there's this courage that they step out and go, All right, it's go time. We got to go. Jesus said, I'm going to send you. He's sending us and let's go. And then there's this unity and there's this generosity that starts to bubble up. And so you see these traits within them. And you can imagine how people would be drawn to that. How people were just kind of going on and kind of just, like just mailing in it every day and kind of just getting in the rut and the routine of their lives just kind of going on and, and like, and then they, they pop up and they see there's this group of people and they're starting to live in a different way and they're talking in a different way and they're loving in a different way and they're acting in a different way and they're showing like these, these things are happening with them that, that we don't see happen anywhere else in our city. I wonder what's going on over there. Maybe we need to go check it out. And so that love, that generosity and that unity and that boldness and that courage draws people to Jesus in the early chapters of the book of Acts. Some of us, when we read this story, we read this part of of the story in Acts, we may kind of, it's like shocking, right? It's like, what, 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 what were they doing? Why would they do that? You know, it kind of, sometimes it kind of makes you kind of take an inventory. You know, what is it in my life? What are the things in my life, you know, with generosity that I'm kind of just so pressed to the max that there's no margin for me, for our family, to show generosity when it's something that's there. Like, hey, there's this way that I we could give to this thing. But, you know, we got all these bills, we got all this going on. We're just really pressed to the max. And so we don't have this margin in our lives to do this. I wonder, I wonder if we started kind of evaluating our, our lives and say, you know what? What if we started to kind of plan for opportunities to be generous? And so we started building some margin in our lives. Like, you know what? God, I would love to have an opportunity to just show someone how generous, not I am, but how much you've blessed me and how generous you are. God, would you use our lives? Would you use our resources? Would you use us? To show your generosity in this world. And so sometimes I think we have to just stop and go, you know what? Is there a little margin in my life? Is there space in my life to show generosity to others? Like we see exhibited here in the book of Acts. When a family member had need, it inspired the family to respond with love and care and generosity. When you look at the book of Acts, there is no doubt that there are some miraculous things that go on. There are some really miraculous things that go on in the early chapters of the book of Acts. There are lame people that are healed. The disciples, the apostles are going around and they're healing lame people. Like they're physically doing some of the things that Jesus did. And so they were like, all right, this, you know, Jesus can do it because he's the son of God. We get that. But now these guys are doing it so that lame people are healed. Like, Like people are being restored. Demons are being cast out of possessed people. Foreign languages are being spoken without any training and forehand knowledge. Those are definitely some very... Incredible signs and wonders of God's power, the Holy Spirit moving there in the early chapters of the book of Acts. But you know what? Some of the most miraculous things that happen here are the subtle things. Like this, for example. Think about it. We like our stuff. We like to have our own stuff. We like our own possessions. We like, our, you know, to have our own privacy. We like to have our own provisions. And what you see here in this early church, is that they say, you know what? We're going to press in to the community of believers. We're going to start to to gather together and to fellowship and to be with one another and to eat meals together. And we're going to give, we're going to look, we're going to really, we're going to seriously like view this group of people as family. We're going to live the way Jesus has called us to live. And that's what you see there. And it's a miraculous thing. This newly formed community in the book of Acts, they press into one another's lives. The boundaries around possessions and wealth, they seem to disappear. They're moved by the Holy Spirit. And so their interest shifts from myself, right? You can see this shift take place when you read this story. It shifts from self, my self-interest, to the interest of others. Like, how, how can we help? You're my brother. You're my sister. How can we help? And so there's this unity within that. And I I think a lot of people were drawn to that. You can imagine that. A lot of people say, you know, I want to be a part of something like that. I want to be a part of a movement that's bold and courageous. I want to be a part of a movement that has unity and is generous. And that's exactly what these people are doing. In the first few chapters of Acts. And it's powerful. And the Holy Spirit is fueling it all. And this, this is how God chose to launch His cho- church. The, the things that take place here, these aren't small mirac- miracles. They are, they are incredible things. And they're things that when we read about and we think about, we should go, wow, what, what would it look like for us today and the church in 2021? To say, you know what, those traits that are in our DNA, that are in our genesis, like that, like have you ever like gone back and said, like, where did I come from as a person? Like, go back and look at where, where my, where's my heritage? Like, who are my people? Right. When when we think about us as a church, who who are our people? Where do we come from? What's our heritage? Like, how did this all start? It's right here. And, And they lived in a way that if 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 we really got serious about it today. And sometimes we do. But if we really got serious about it today, it, 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 may just, it may just change the world. I want you to look at the third trait. The church in Acts was also marked with love for one another and a joy only found in Jesus. Here's my big idea this morning. Here's the one idea that I want you guys to, to take with you as you leave this place. When the Holy Spirit takes up residence... In our hearts, He begins, we begin to overflow with love for God and for other people. When the Holy Spirit takes a hold of your heart, there's going to be this outflowing. There's going to be this obvious thing, these markers in your life that says, God is God's leading that person. The Holy Spirit's working on that person. You guys have seen it. You've had experienced it in your life. Like when when you're around someone, you're like, man, the Holy Spirit is leading them because they're they they the way they talk, the way they pray, the way they act, the way they love, the way they give. Like that's that's you know it. We when we see that, like we we recognize that we know what it is, and that's what the church is doing here. And may that be what we do When, when the Holy Spirit takes a hold of our lives takes a presence in our hearts there 's this overflowing there 's this abundance of love and joy in the middle of think about what 's happening in the middle of some some persecution and some turbulent times and some stressful times for the early church. Now the word has come back to them peter and and John have come back and they 've said, hey has be careful, we're going to still be bold and we're still going to be courageous. but what you have we're going to still talk about Jesus at every turn. but what but what you need to understand is if you step out into this, if you step out into this and are willing to go forward with us, we can't promise you security. Like, you, you may go to jail. You may, you may lose your life. Because what you have to understand, right? You have, do you understand that they were preaching Jesus and they were saying that He's the only way now? He is the only way to heaven is through Jesus? That was blasphemy. Like, they were, they're trying, they're attempting to take down thousands of years of this religious thing. And they're trying to kneecap it right in the middle of the city. And so everyone else is looking at her going, you guys are crazy. Do you realize that people hear you saying these things like you're going to go to jail and you may end up on a cross just like Jesus did. Do you realize that? And they're like, sorry, we can't. This this is the truth. Like if that's what happens, that's what happens. We're going to preach Jesus boldness and courage, unity, generosity, love and a joy that surpassed anything this earth would throw at them. All right, there is this joy within them that, that only comes from Jesus. Like Things may come our way. Cancer may come your way. Divorce may come your way. The loss of a child may come your way. A, a pandemic may come your way. There are a lot of things that may come our way. That may put us on our knees for a season. But if we have a joy that only comes through Jesus Christ, we'll get back up. We'll get back up. And we'll keep going and we'll pray for a revival. Don't you want to pray for a revival that God's Holy Spirit would overflow without its outpouring of love and generosity and unity and that we would rise up as a people. Do Do you, are you with me? Do you believe that our country needs to see the church live like this? Would you agree with me? Are you, are you with me that our community needs to see us live this way? Like the church The early church, you want to get you wanna be a real deal church, these are the traits. There's this boldness, the bold preaching. There's this understanding that that we have to have courage. I love what happens earlier in Acts chapter 4 when Peter and John are, are standing before these men and they're just blasting them. They're just blasting them, saying, You guys, you guys don't get it. Like you don't get it. It's about Jesus and you crucified him. And they're like, y'all got to shut up. Y'all got to get out of here and stop saying that. We're not shutting up. And, and, and it says this in, in verse 13. It says, the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. And then I love this. This is it. They also recognized them as men ...who had been with Jesus. Why were they preaching with such boldness, such courage? It's because they'd been with Jesus. Why was the early church in Acts so unified? Because they'd been with Jesus. Why did the believers show such radical generosity? It's because they'd been with Jesus. Why were their hearts so full of love and joy in the middle of the things that they were facing? Because they'd been with Jesus. Why did they? Why did they possibly think that they could change the world? Because they'd been with Jesus. Now I know that those some of those men in that religious council probably looked at them and said, "We've actually seen you with Jesus. We saw you physically walking with Him, so we know you you've been with Him." But I think it's more than that. I think these men had a spirit now that, that just was overflowing. And, and that they could see that, like, these, these people are, like, they believe this stuff. Like, they're real. And they've been with Jesus. And this is different. This is different than, than what we've dealt with in the past. These religious leaders that have popped up and then these cults and then they die and they die. Like, this is different. There's something different going on here. They said, they've been with Jesus. And so here's my question for you. Have you been with Jesus? Do you, do you know him? Does, does he know you? Are, you? are you walking with him every day? Does he know your name? Does he know your heart? Does he know the things that you're struggling with? Are you praying to him every day? Are you connecting with him every day? Do you know Jesus? One of the things that Jesus said to Peter in Matthew chapter 16, he said, I'm going to build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it, right? He he looks at Peter and he says, I'm going to build my church. I'm going to use you, Peter. You're going to be the, you're going to be the start of this. And I want you to know that when you go, go with boldness and go with courage because you have to understand that Satan and the demons and hell are going to quiver in their boots when you preach my name. There is power in that, and He promises us that nothing that this world will throw at you or me or us will defeat us. That the church will always prevail. And now it may get down to a really small remnant. It may it may lose numbers, right? And it may like look like that, like we're fighting against the ocean as the church, but it will prevail in the end. And so there's hope in that. There's power in that. There's boldness in that. There's courage in that. There's unity in that. And I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of something that nothing that this world, nothing that Satan or his demons can throw at us will prevail. We win in the end. And if our job is to love and to lead and to have unity and generosity and to show this world who Jesus is through the way we live our lives as the church, then I think we're up for the task. Are you up for the task? I'm up for the task. And I hope we're up for the task. Would you guys stand with me? God, I thank you for today. And I thank you for the opportunity to gather with your family, our brothers and sisters. God, I pray that we would understand that you've given us something and it's a power. It's a power that we have inside of us because we've accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior and that we need to live with it. We need to live with a bold, courageous attitude that says, I'm going to share your love, Jesus. I'm going to say things sometimes that that may get me in trouble, but I'm going to preach you I'm going to live with, with generosity and unity and love and joy. And people are going to be drawn not to us, but to you through us. And God, I pray that, that this morning that we understand that that's, that's our call. That's our mission. Those are our marching orders as your church. And God, we also pray this morning that maybe there's someone here today that says, you know what? I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of that Jesus movement that's still going on today. I want Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior. I want to accept Him. I want to be baptized. I want to start anew today walking with Him. God, this, this invitation is, is for that. And God, for the rest of us, I pray that we would just stand and sing and think and understand what we've, what we've signed up for. That there may come persecution, there may come trials, there may, may come opposition. But we can't do anything else but be bold and courageous, show unity, and generosity, because that's who we are. That's who you are. God, thanks for loving us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We're going to sing this song. If you want to pray with someone, talk to someone today, we'd, we'd love to talk to.
0: Awake in the city, oh God of revival, pour it out, pour it out. Every stronghold will crumble. I hear change the chains hit the ground, oh God of revival, pour it out.
2: Thank you guys for being here today. I want you to I want you guys specifically. Would you would you just continue to pray in your time this week and in the next few weeks and months? Because I am we are convinced that God's doing something. And and I know that you know Matt said last week that um, a lot of churches are gonna are gonna close you know, this year. Now, it's probably true that like those, those things are, you know, obviously that's happening I think he said 42%. And that's like a shocking thing. A lot of people want. Like, man, a lot of churches are closing after this stupid COVID, right? And it's like, yeah, that's going to happen apparently. And so I've been praying all week, God, Shelby Christian church. Let's be ready. Let's be ready to, to invite in some who have been wounded, right? Some who are hurting. Some who are like looking for a home. They're looking for brothers and sisters. God, will you you allow us to be that place? Will you allow us to be that family? Will you pour out your blessing and your spirit on us? Because we're ready. Let's take this thing and let's go. Would you guys pray that with me this week? Would Would you just pray every day? God, would you just continue to pour out your spirit? on the people of Shelby Christian Church and Shelbyville, Kentucky. And may we, may we be just like that church that we read about in the book of Acts. Hey, if you're a first time visitor today, checking us out for the first time, there's an I'm new wall out in the lobby. Go out there. Brett and his team have something for you. They'd love to connect with you. If you want to get in a life group or hear about maybe next steps, you can go over here to the next step room and those guys can answer any questions for you. You guys have an incredible week. We love you all. We'll see you back here next weekend.